Welcome to the South Beta Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my awesome rock jock co-host, Dr. Mr. Evan Pierce. Um, Hello. Hi, how's it going? I'm doing very well. So you are also a, a Pad Bros fame. You want to talk about that before we actually talk about rock climbing? Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily fame. I feel like it's very famous. Everybody talks to you about, like, oh, he's the guy on the Pad Bros podcast. Well, I mean, I have a podcast about a mobile phone game. Uh, which is incredibly nerdy, but I make no bones about the fact that I am definitely a nerd. Uh, and I'm a nerd about anything that I get excited about. So, uh, yeah, I nerded out on this mobile phone game. It's super fun. Reminds me of my Magic the Gathering days <laughs> from my uh, high school years. And uh, what, what series did you play? Were you dark? What what series? Yeah, there was like revised and dark and like all those other things. I played Magic for like two seconds. Right. Uh, I came in during revised. Okay. And I had some of the like originals. I had like a an I had a card that was an alpha. Okay. I'm pretty sure I had an alpha Mox Emerald. And and what color deck did you play? Uh, I ran a mostly direct damage lightning bolt team. <laughs> <laughs> it was like red chain okay. chain lightning and I was I was all about Terra Angels so I was I was heavy white yeah those are those are super fun all right so in any case Pad Bros uh, my friend Kevin we're like we should have a podcast about this because we like talking about it so much and we decided to do it and podcasting just turns out to be like hilariously fun and awesome so well so the reason why I bring it up is I am extremely jealous walking into this being my first ever podcasting experience. Um, not particularly loving the sound of my voice, um, but really enjoying yours, and so, <laughs> so I'm excited about the, the how this is going to come out, but uh, but I'm a little nervous. I d- I don't know. I think these directed conversations are really fun, and like <laughs> if you are doing it with a person who you enjoy talking to and you have a good time with, like it just is amazingly fun. Well, I'll take that compliment and move right into the kind of like the purpose of why we're why we're talking. Yeah. Um, so I wrote this all out. I'm going to read it. Uh, the purpose of this podcast, and I will try not to say uh as much, uh, give a voice to the community of climbers in the South Bay. We will do this by learning about climbing gyms, climbing techniques, events, and outdoor climbing opportunities. Uh, our hosts provide an interesting contrast in climbing knowledge and ability, uh, providing information for all levels of climbing. So, so we'll jump into that in a second, but uh, before we even get there... Evan is a phenomenal climber, and I am, like, just barely scraping by. Um, but we will we'll talk about that. I think the phenomenal climber thing, although I appreciate the compliment, uh, I'm not that phenomenal of a climber. It's especially, like, the gym that we climb at. There are a ton of people who are really, really strong. Um, and I think climbing is this very interesting sport where even the people that are sort of at the pinnacle of the sport you know, it's really easy to be humble as a climber, in my opinion. There's plenty of people that manage to not be humble anyways, but um, I think it's really easy to be humble because you can always look around and see someone who's doing something that is either harder or faster or just plain more badass than what you can or would do. So, you know, if you're the top sport climber in the world – like maybe Adam Andra mm-hmm. is the top sport climber in the world. I think that I don't know if that's debatable at this point, but uh, you know he's certainly 
within the consideration of, like on the extremely short list right of maybe two or three yep top sport climber in the world you can look over at someone who is doing alpine style ascents of you know these gigantic mountain faces in the Himalayas and just be like I could never do that that's that's insane that's incredibly badass and amazing whereas you know those people who are doing that stuff can look at someone who's bouldering v15 v16 and be like that's unbelievable i could never hold on to those holds i could never do those moves like it's just ridiculous so you can always look around and see someone who's doing something climbing related that is just beyond the scope of your abilities and perhaps even beyond the scope of your imagination of yourself so it's easy to look around and be humble. Yeah. And it's only the people who don't look around that are uh, really excited about how good they are at climbing. <laughs> well, I'm excited about climbing, not necessarily how good I am. And I have a lot of fun doing it. And so um, Evan and I uh, ran into each other a lot at the gym in the mornings. And I would give him a hard time. And I finally convinced him to come into a room and talk with me about some of the stuff that's going on. And hopefully I can get him to, to f- share some of his really useful information. I'll talk. I'll talk about climbing. Okay. I've been known to do it. So I'm going to move right into like interviewing you about like what you do climbing-wise. Um, do we, did we want to introduce ourselves? Go ahead. Introduce yourself. Well, I thought that's what this was. This was the speaker intro. So I'm going to ask you questions, and then I'll, I'll like answer my side of that question. Okay. Are, are you going to ask me? I mean, I thought we were going to go into like the history of climbing for you as a person. Yeah, that's that's part that's part of the questions. Okay, go. That's the, that's, that's where we're at. All right, jump in the gun. I'm. You're used to running the show. You're right. I am used to it. <laughs> if I don't have the notes in front of me, I'm just like, where are we going? Are you are you doing this in the right order? <laughs> that is a I'm very, lost. That is that is quite possibly correct that I'm not doing this in the right order, but I'm trying my best. Okay, what, what was the question that I so the first derailed? The first question I was going to ask is like, how long have you been climbing? Oh, uh, I have been climbing, I think, for 12 years. I've kind of lost track. Um, I uh, moved out to California to go to grad school uh, in 2001. And then after being out here for a few years, I went on my first like real backpacking trip uh, in Yosemite and uh, walked right past some mountains. And I looked at those mountains and went, wow, I'd really like to climb those. But I was also too chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I know you want your explicit rating. So I was too chicken shit to go up those mountains. I definitely want to earn that. <laughs> I looked over and I was like, wow, that would be so cool. But like, I just looked at the, the, the terrain between me and the top of the mountain. And it really wasn't very far. And in looking back from my current perspective... It was super easy, <laughs> but I was, I was too afraid to do it, and I thought, hey, I got, got down from the trip, the trip was amazing, get home, and I'm like, you know what, maybe if I learned how to rock climb, then I would feel more comfortable like going to climb peaks like that, like going off trail and traversing like rocky terrain. And so that's what I did. I took a rock climbing class in, I believe, 2005. And it was really good. I, uh, I, my instructor is currently one of my best friends. And uh, 
we've done a, a lot a ton of amazing stuff together and uh, I haven't really looked back and I still I definitely go climb mountains I was totally right <laughs> taking the class made all the difference like I I feel so comfortable moving on rock like I go climb mountains all the time and it it was a huge huge advantage and I don't wouldn't have done almost any of the stuff that I've done I think without having gotten into rock climbing but the mountains are covered in snow in California for a fair portion of the year and at least the roads are closed so it's hard to access them so it's not that you can't climb mountains in winter I've done some of those but it is a lot more of an ordeal whereas in the summer you can just drive up park five miles away from your mountain go up climb something super fun back to your car go have dinner at a restaurant whatever you want to do it's a lot more it's a lot less involved to go climb peaks in the summer even and then even when you talk about things that are sort of remote and removed from the road you know it's a lot less involved to get to them so you answered my second question which was like kind of what was your first experience with the climbing thing in that mm-hmm. um but I, I would like to ask did you grow up with an outdoorsy lifestyle um I think the answer is like yes and no now, I grew up always loving to be outside and to do things and to run around. And I joined, I was a Boy Scout, and uh, I did almost all of my outdoor experiences in Boy Scouts. So I went camping and hiking and almost everything with that. My parents were not outdoorsy people at all. I, I think one time, I remember, we went for a hike as a family and it was like I'm pretty sure it was like a an uphill hike to the top of a, a mountain which <laughs> I'm I'm air quoting but no one can see it um, <laughs> a mountain in New Hampshire uh, and it, I think it was maybe maybe two miles one way and then two miles back so maybe four miles round trip. And my parents complained about it for weeks afterwards. They they did not like it. They're like, oh, it's rocky on the trail and there's roots and you can't look around because you got to watch your feet. And I was like, all right, never mind. Not trying to get you guys to do anything. <laughs> and so you know, all of my my upbringing was not necessarily outdoorsy, although there was an appreciation for nature. Yeah, and it was uh, once. I, that's like I said. You know, I didn't. I didn't do my first real backpacking trip until I came to grad school. Like I was 23 years old, 24 years old when I did my first backpacking trip. So I think, uh, I grew up with an appreciation for the outdoors and a desire to be outdoors, but I, I didn't really have a lot of access to going and doing the kind of things that I love to do now. Sure. So, okay. What was the last route you climbed? The last route that I climbed outside? No, let's go with the last route that you climbed, period. So if you were outside yesterday and you climbed outside yesterday, that's great. But if you climbed in the gym this past week and that was the last route that you climbed, what's the last route you climbed? Uh, well, I definitely had a busy work week. So I think I climbed on Thursday morning in the gym, uh, you know, a good 50, 50 foot commute from my desk where I work. <laughs> and uh, the last thing that I did was uh, a white boulder problem on the prow. Okay. 
what what was the rate, rating? It was a extremely soft V eight. <laughs> <laughs> I love how like you say V eight soft. I'm like I can't do I can't do V three so. That's all right. I mean, you know, it, it's uh, it's not a matter of like I enjoyed the route very much. I thought it was fun. Yeah. But it was definitely my style, except once I figured out one particular section of movement and compared to the other sevens and eights that are on the wall, yeah. it's very easy, relatively. I'm not saying it's easy as it's like definitely a seven, but compared to the other eights that are up right now, it's by far the easiest one. Got it. So I just I just want to like bring up a story that, that I always think about whenever I think about you and climbing. Um, there was a, a while there where I'm like, I'm not sure Evan actually climbs. He does a lot of talking about climbing. And and then there's this one day where, like, I walked over to, to Evan. He was playing pad on his phone. I'm like, Evan, you're going to play video games or you're going to climb? And he was over in the bouldering section. He goes over to, to, like, climb. He does one move. He, like, gets on the starts the thing, makes an effort for one move. And he's, like, sideways on the wall, falls over, and belly flops onto the, onto the thing. Pretty sure I landed on my back, but okay. I'm pretty sure you belly flopped that climb. And I, that just served to reassert my purpose that I'm not sure Evan actually climbs. Now, I've heard great things. I've actually seen you climb since. You have seen me climb since. But it was still, like, that was my, my first interaction. Really. I'm glad that you still have that story and that it's hilarious it's to Im- you. It's imprinted in my brain forever. Yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> I fall. So so I'll, I'll just, I'll take my turn answering those questions and I will, I, you can either read them for me or, or I can just answer them. It's your choice. I would love to know uh, what your first climbing experience was and how long ago it was. So I've been climbing since I was like eight years old. Really? Yes. At a, at a place called Green Mountain Rock Climbing Gym in like right outside of Rutland, Vermont. What, what would happen is we would go skiing in the winter and my parents would get tired from a day of skiing. And after skiing, they, they, they discovered this rock gym one day and they brought the kids into the rock gym. And it was a great way for us to like just destroy our energy, like just knock ourselves out. So we'd go home and sleep. And so that became a thing that we'd go skiing like all day long. My parents would get tired and they'd just bring us to the rock gym. And we like, we didn't know what roots were. We like rainbow the crap out of the walls. Like we just went up the walls and came back down and just hurt ourselves. And like, we made up with these crazy roots that were nuts. Um, And I think the rock gym place liked having us. We liked being there. My favorite was always the chimney. For some reason I had like really strong legs. I just liked the chimney. Um, But yeah, like it was great. We'd tire ourselves out. And so... I did that when I was like um, eight years old, and uh, I've been doing climbing ever since, off and on, but but definitely not as seriously until I moved out here. Okay. And I'm w- way more of a gym climber than an outdoor climber. Do you? What was your first outdoor climbing experience? Um, so, it's a little tricky. When I was really, really, really young, we lived at a at a place in Connecticut that had like a little cliff in the back. The name of the house was like Rockledge Landing. It was on this little rock, so we had, like, this little bouldering problem with the back that was always the craziest thing that we did. And so we we would spend afternoons kind of doing that. Looking back on it, what do you think the grade was on that? Like, it had to have been, at most, like a V0+. Okay. But And there were, like, there were crazy routes. There were, like, routes that was called the Medusa's Challenge that went up to the left. And there were routes that, like, went straight up. But it was, we had a lot of fun back there. And our parents, like, were comfortable enough letting us play back there that it could not have been that, that dangerous. Do you think that it was actually shorter than it is in your memory? Oh, it's, well, I was, like, a kid, so I was, like, half my size. So, yeah, it was definitely, like, shorter. It was probably three moves to the top. Okay. <laughs> like, that's probably what it is. 
But it was a lot of fun. Um, in terms of like really outdoor climbing, uh, I was very nervous when I was climbing at Planet Granite. It took me a while to get comfortable. And I think a group of us went out to Yosemite two years ago around um, around this time, so around Halloween. And we did like Church Bowl lie back and like a couple of other climbs out there that were really fun. Cool. So that was probably my first real outdoor with ropes. That's awesome. I mean, Yosemite is an incredible place to experience rock climbing for the first time. Yeah. Or at least outdoor climbing for the first time. Nuts. I mean, and that has, I mean, I've had a couple of other outdoor experiences. I've done uh, Big Chief, done a couple of other things, but I'm I'm still hesitant. Because for me, it's like I really, when you go outdoors, you're really going to trust the people that are, uh, that say they know what they're doing. And uh, I sometimes have trouble really trusting the people that say they know what they're doing. And so, like, for me, it's kind of scary. Yeah, I think that's understandable. You definitely, you know, the, the potential consequences are huge. Right. Right? You're not, this isn't tiddlywinks. Well, so, I mean, it's the same in the gym. If you don't know what's going on, it's still dangerous. Mm-hmm. You just have to pay attention. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, I think the gym definitely has an image of being safer. And certainly there's a lot that's been done to try to reduce the risk of rock climbing in gyms. But nonetheless, I mean, the the risk of serious injury and death is there. Yeah. And it's the same outside, but outside, you know, there's The not... gym has the bolts that are already in, in the wall. They already have the things. Oh, we got a notification on the computer. <laughs> All right. Um, so the thing with the gym, I think, is that you know, the the equipment is being maintained on a regular basis. People are going out there and checking you and trying to make sure that you're doing the right things. People are, you know, checking you before you come in to make sure that you have the knowledge that you need. When you go outside, there is no one checking you. You need to be responsible for yourself and making sure that you know what's going on. You know that the people that are with you know what's going on. Well, I would also like to bring up the fact that from the gym, the bottom, like the ground, is padded and, and, and flattish. Whereas outdoors, you don't know necessarily what you're belaying from. There could be other obstacles. There's a whole another level of, of like, watching yourself that's kind of scary. That is certainly true. Um, yes, I said, I'm again. The last route that I climbed, I think, was also Thursday morning. <laughs> okay. But I think it was before yours. And I think that my last route was a... 10 10C that was pretty fun and it was on one of the longer walls I can't remember what it's called it's right next to the crow's nest it's like underneath the little loop do you know who said it? you have a shout out to give to one of our uh, amazing route setters at Planet Granite? I could shout out to a bunch of them I don't remember who set this exact route I know All right, that, I would know the last route I did was a 10B from Meerkat and it was actually a lot of fun it was, uh, it was a cross from that it was on a green one all right. And I, uh, one of our newest setters. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get into that crew so that I, they'll let me set, but so far it hasn't gone very well. I don't think it's going to happen. You, you sound so, like, affirmative about this. You would have to change your lifestyle, I think, in order to become a, a route setter at Planet Granite. <laughs> that is definitely probably true. <laughs> um, okay. So, talking about Planet Granite, we both climb at the same gym. Um, hence how we met. Uh, do you want to tell me about what's going on at Planet Granite? I hear some rumors of uh, removing the leg adductor and abductor to make room for something else. 
Uh, yeah, we climb at Planet Granite in Sunnyvale. Uh, it is the first gym that I had a membership at. And I've been to like 30 different gyms around the country. And I think uh, it's the best one I've been to. Now I am biased. I was going to bring that up. Like, why would you be biased? <laughs> why would I be biased? Um, I honestly, before I even started working at Planet Granite, uh, I already thought that Planet Granite Sunnyvale was the best gym that I'd been to of like all the different ones I'd been to around the country. Now I've been to Planet Granite in Portland. So I went to, I actually visited the gym before it opened at one point. Oh really? Like I drove by the gym before, like while it was under construction. And then several years ago I did this giant West Coast road trip over Christmas and, uh, Stop by again to climb, and I didn't have anybody to climb with, so I bouldered, and I'm not a big boulderer, but what frustrated me the most was at the time, and again, this is two years ago, uh, the I'm climbing very easy, like V1s, V2s, V0s. Mm-hmm. The crux move on the bouldering pumps is always the last move. And so, like, for me, it was scary because I'm doing this, like, really difficult move at the end when I'm, like, the highest off the ground, and I'm like, okay, this is, all these moves are pretty challenging, and it's the last move, and it's... For me, it just it made me a little bit more nervous climbing those routes. Mm. I wonder if that was, uh, you know, a very common thing, or if it was just like it happened enough that that's just what stood out in your mind. I yeah. always, as a person, I'm always thinking about um, reality versus perspective. Yeah. Well, the or walls, perception, I should say. The walls there are higher than the walls at PG Sunnyvale. Yeah, a little for bit. the bouldering problems, and so that that was another thing on top of it. It was like the walls are higher. The last move is above where I'm used to like letting go and coming down, and uh, for me it just it put a lot of stress on the on the roots. I still had a great time climbing there. I thought the walls were beautiful. I thought the facility was fantastic. Facility is amazing. Um, they were out of locks, but I think they've solved that problem, probably. Loaner locks or locks for sale? Like both. Oh, okay. They didn't have either. I was like, I, I forgot my lock. I didn't bring that bag. And they're like, oh, yeah, don't worry. Just hold your stuff. You know, I got to say that um, one of the things I've learned working in a place that is also retail is that, like, even doing your best and knowing when you are running out of things and then ordering them on time to, like, prevent you from running out, you still run out of stuff because distributors run out of things, too. And it's just yeah. it's uh, it's hard to stay on top of all those things at the same time. So um, I would like to ask you several questions about that. The the fr- <laughs> the first question is, uh, what was it like to run out of comment note cards at the gym? Did we run out? I don't know. I think what we got to is the point where you realized that there were few enough left that you shouldn't just leave comments that uh, were facetious. <laughs> Which leads me to my next question. Of the facetious comments that I did leave, were there any that stood out to you as like infamous? Infamously facetious. Uh, I mean, your request to our manager that he no longer respond to your comments with professionalism was was excellent. His response was spot on, by the way. He was very good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, talking about a couple of things, you didn't you didn't confirm or deny the adductor thing, but I'm going to move past that. To well, I can I can I'll, if you want me to talk about it, I'll talk about it. We are a very busy facility extremely popular, uh, which is awesome, and I, there's good reason for it, but I will say that we are pressed for space, and anything in our facility that is not seeing regular use, or is even just seeing a lower rate of use than uh, other 
items in the facility is up for consideration in terms of being removed or replaced with something that would be of more use to more people more of the time. And and this that we've reached this point where, you know, we can't we can't keep everything that everyone wants. I, I I've learned this lesson. I'm not sure if you realize this, but I adamantly protested the removal of the rear delt machine. Fair like, enough. You're not the, the only one. Okay. I'm not the only one. No. <laughs> no, not at all. And, the you know, that was a very useful machine. But, man, that thing took up a lot of space. Yeah. And uh, to be able to replace it with the machine that we have, which I see many, many people using, um, and it's still a very useful machine, but I under, I do understand that, you know, you know, we did sacrifice certain types of utility when we switched switched machines. So as as somebody who doesn't work there, as a pers- like an outside perspective, what I saw was rear delt machine goes away and you put in these crazy cross-track thingies that, like, nobody uses. The cable cross machine? No, the cable cross people use like crazy. But I'm yes. talking about, like, over on the, the place where you have all the new um, cardio equipment, there are these things where, like, I don't even... It looks like they're, like, like ski... Like, cross-country skiing. Are you talking about the arc trainers? Yes, those things. Those were always there. Really? Yep, those are not new. They seem like they take up a lot of space for very little use. I agree, uh, and it's definitely one of the uh, cardio machines that we've considered removing. However, I don't think that that removing those would create space for the a rear delt machine of the type <laughs> that you're thinking. Um Certainly, um, certainly, the arc trainers see less use than our other cardio equipment, and uh, we've definitely been discussing removing arc trainers and replacing with either more treadmills or more Stair ellipticals. Stairmaster. The stairmaster is used all the time in the morning. I know another one of those stair mills would be amazing. Um, it's the stair mill is great. I see a ton of people training for. Uh, uh, you're looking at me. It's not called a stairmaster. It's just called a stair mill. Whatever it's, it's called, it's a treadmill, but it's stairs. So yeah, it's, it's a stairs. stair mill. It's great. It's like exactly like hiking. Like it's exactly what you want to train people to do. I know, and I, I've seen a number of people training for uh, some some big big excursions using that. Yeah, I know that I talked to somebody who was going to do some uh, Everest climbing. No, not Everest, but he was going to be doing a bunch of uh, remote stuff in the Alaska range. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's, that's pretty intense stuff, like, out on the... Uh, well, so, I don't expect you to commit to any of this. I'm just throwing out my opinions. Okay. That's that's all I'm saying. And well, I, I, mostly... I absolutely cannot commit to any of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's, that's all I wanted to get. Okay. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is there's this event that I see with Peter Croft coming up. Now, I don't know too much about Peter Croft. Um, and I'm sure I should have done more homework uh, for this question. But but can you tell me a little bit about the event and what's going on? Absolutely. Uh, the month of October, Planet Granite will be matching funds uh, up to $20,000 in donations to the American Safe Climbing Association. Mm-hmm. American Safe Climbing Association is a, a nonprofit organization that goes out and uh, tries to replace old fixed gear at crags. So... Uh, 
bolts that are placed in the wall, both for sport climbing protection, um, areas where it's face climbing and there's no tra- traditional protection, and anchors. Mm-hmm. So they're doing tons of work all over the U.S., replacing tons and tons of bolts, and it's amazing. They're taking out these bolts that are, you know, on routes placed in the 80s, you know, or 70s and 80s, where these things are 30, 40 years mm-hmm. old, and they're putting in um, fresh new stainless steel bolts. And like when you look at photos of the kind of bolts that were put in the wall, where the bolts are, you know, the length of uh, less than half the length of my pinky, mm-hmm. right? That's the bolt that you're hanging from that you're going to fall on. And it's this little rusted nail looking thing. And then they put in these like big, thick. Uh, hat like what are they? They're quarter inch, quarter inch diameter. Okay. Uh, and then they're like an inch and a half, two inches long. Yeah. Put those bolts in. Uh, you know, in a place where there's already a bolt. Yeah. You know the. You know they're not necessarily. They're not going out and retro bolting roots. They're not putting in new stuff. They're they're going out and trying to make the climbs that exist safer. They want to replace old rusted not unsafe hardware can i ask you a question about that as as a bigger guy um my i often have concerns about the bolt being able to hold my weight which is i know kind of crazy especially if they're the new bolts but uh is there a way to know if they're the new bolts or the old bolts uh i mean you can see a substantial difference uh the asca's website will list locations that they've been replacing bolts okay so you can get updates there um and they they usually they're usually trying to keep track and let people know where they've been at work um and you know you see you can you can kind of tell the difference between the bolts okay it's uh it's relatively easy to see like well, the the newer stuff is thicker and beefier so i guess that the concern that i have is if like i want to plan where i'm going out to climb like i can see when i get there what the things are but it would be nice to know that when i'm going out to climb if there's a place i can figure out if the place I'm going to has the newer bolts. And you're saying the website may be the best place. Yeah, I believe the ASCA's website will help you out with that. Um, So Planet Granite will be matching donations, all donations to the ASCA. Uh, You can just donate online at their website. uh, And uh, Planet Granite's matching up to $20,000. So hopefully uh, we're also holding some events uh, in the course of October to try and increase donations, uh, some fundraising stuff. We've got a live auction in Sunnyvale on Wednesday, October 5th, uh, and we'll be auctioning off some cool stuff. And we also have our guest speaker uh, is Peter Croft, who is probably uh, the closest I have to a personal climbing hero. Got it. Why? Why? Um so Peter is a uh, native of the sort of Vancouver area, I believe. Okay. Uh, he like spent a ton of time in Squamish uh, growing up and then moved to the valley in the early 80s, mid-80s, um, and was just kind of like a Yosemite Valley bum for a long time. But uh, he met up with John Bacher, and then he started doing some like free climbing in the valley, like hard stuff going with little or no protection, no rope sometimes, and uh, just he's just generally an all-around kind of badass of California. And he's a huge Sierra guy. So all the stuff in the, the California 
Sierra Nevada mountain range. Yeah. Uh, he's done a bunch of stuff. He's put up like 513 routes on the Hulk, uh, which is a big chunk of uh, really beautiful alpine granite. Um, and he's he did was the first person to do the evolution traverse in a day. He's got a book out. It's called The Good, the Great, and the Awesome. This guy's been all over the mountain range, done a ton of stuff. Um, so you're telling me a lot about what he's done, and, and I respect the the breadth. But so is the breadth the thing that it, that makes him your your climbing hero, or is it or is it the audacity, or is it like something else? I, I think as as someone who loves going out and doing like high Sierra Alpine, like easy fifth class, fourth class like soloing and moving fast and light, he's the person you're going to look up to and be like, this guy is the guy that does this stuff. Like, you know, his guidebook descriptions sometimes leave a little bit to be desired because he's like, well, there was a thunderstorm coming. And so I ran this part of the ridge (laughs) and, uh, you know, there's in his guidebook, he mentions that. And then my buddy and I were on that Ridge, same Ridge. It's called the sawtooth Ridge. We're trying to do the sawtooth Ridge traverse. Didn't you write a, a blog post about this? For no, a different one. Okay. But uh, we're on this ridge, the Sawtooth Ridge, trying to do this traverse, and we're, like, going through these sections, and we're, like, going so slow. And he's like, yeah, I had to run that part. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> How did you run it? We're, like, roped up. <laughs> like, we're having difficult route finding. We're rappelling. Like, how were you running this section of it? I don't get it. <laughs> but I believe him, you know, so. Okay. And he's... He's, uh, Are you gonna ask that question on on Wednesday? No, nah, no, nah, it's that's okay. I I won't have any questions. I'm I'm really excited. Peter is an amazing storyteller. Yeah. I went to see a slideshow that he gave about ten years ago, and it was unbelievable. Like coolest slideshow presentation I've ever seen. Um, funniest as well. So I'm really excited for him to talk in uh, Planet Grand Sunnyvale. What if he hears this podcast and then talks to you about it? I highly doubt that that will happen. I agree with that sentiment, but it's still pretty funny to think about. It does surprise me how many people hear the crap that I say on the other podcasts that I do. I'm really good at publicity, and I'll probably try and force people to listen to this. Okay. Um, let's move on. <laughs> we're gonna, we're, Where are we in your... Uh, we in are your... we are like out of time, but I'm still going to talk anyway. So this is what happens, apparently, with your podcasts. I mean, like, if you're having a good conversation, you don't want to cut it short. Definitely not. Definitely not. But I, we, we're at the, the part where we're going to talk about a training tip. And uh, the training tip today is rest. I'm, I actually want to know more about rest. So I'm asking you for how, how much rest do you take? How much rest do you prescribe to the people that you coach? Uh, so the rest is an interesting topic uh, because rest has all these different aspects to it. Um, there's rest in terms of like planning your weekly climbing schedule. Like, uh, you know, do I climb three days on and take four days off? Do I climb two days on, take two days off, climb one day, two days, whatever. Um, you know, there's that. Then there's the aspect of resting while you're in a climbing session. Like how long do you rest between routes? Let's start with the, let's stick to the first one. Cause we could go down this. I see where this is going. And this seems like a giant rabbit hole that just sort of turns into like an underground you know, rabbit metropolis. And I, I, feel, I feel like we would do better, sir, to, to, to stay on the surface of this iceberg. Okay. I think actually the more interesting, the most interesting aspect of rest is if you talk about rest while climbing in terms of resting, if you're talking about root climbing, how do you rest on a root? But as you say, 
We can talk about that another time. I and feel like that's an epic conversation as well. It is. It is. I'll make so, a note. <laughs> so we're going to talk today about how much rest to take in terms of planning, let's say, your weekly climbing schedule. So, for example, uh, I've been in a situation recently where I've gone from, at one point I was climbing only a couple of days a week, to a point where I was climbing like Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Mm-hmm. a week and then maybe a day on the weekend to back now where I'm climbing about two or three days a week. And, um, you know, the two or three days a week I think is slightly more enjoyable, um, but I'm not seeing the, the growth and difficulty that, that I was getting when I was climbing, you know, four days a week. Well, it depends on what your sessions are like. I mean, when you're saying that you're climbing two, three days a week or four days a week, when you go to climb, what are you doing? Is it always the same thing? Oftentimes, it's the same thing. So when I was climbing three days a week or four days a week, I'd do kind of five climbs, five roped, normally top rope climbs, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then on Thursday, I had a lesson, and I was doing um, intense stuff, whatever the guy was putting me on, whatever whatever Adriel was putting me on. Okay. Or Tim was pushing me to do. Fair enough. Um, I think that... You know, it really depends on what you're doing in terms of, like, because honestly, going into the gym and climbing five routes in the morning, like, you can do that five times a week, and it's not going to it's not gonna negatively affect you. Okay. Um, but I think if you're consistently coming in, doing five routes, you're going to plateau pretty soon. You're going to have to break out of that and... Uh, throw in a different type of workout at some point during that time. Like, you know, you you may see benefits. Like, you in particular may see benefits right. from climbing four days a week, five days a week, climbing five routes in a session, being done in an hour and a half, and, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to plateau relatively quickly. You need to branch out and work on different aspects of your climbing ability. So you need to go in and have one day where you and your partner will climb for, you know, let's say you have that hour and a half yeah, and you each take 20 minutes. And so you're going to climb as many things as you can do in 20 minutes and then your partner goes and they do as many things as they can do in 20 minutes and then yeah. you go again. And so between the three of you, like you get 40 minutes, two sessions of 20 minutes where you're just killing yourself. Right. You're, the pump is building. You're just climbing until you can't, until your hands are falling off of jugs, right? So you're going to have to do something like that in order to... Uh, see gains once you've hit that plateau. And when you think about doing a session like that, then you need to start planning out your rest better. Like you might climb, you know, your normal like five routes in 90 minutes. You might do that maybe two days in a row and then take a day off and then do a hard kind of like enduro workout like I mentioned and then take two days off after that. Got it. So so what I'm taking away from this is it really depends upon the intensity of the workout and no rest plan is actually specific. Like it's it's hard to actually it's tailored to where you want to go. Absolutely. Like you can't like you know you can climb 7 days a week if what you're doing is coming in and doing 45 minutes of bouldering, you know, zeros and ones. Right. If, especially if you're someone who's able to climb V3s and V4s. You know, right. you can do that 7 days a week. It's not going to be a big deal. 
Um, you know, and even uh, even someone who's you know climbing relatively strong, like if you if you like literally held yourself just to that, like forty five minutes of bouldering, you know zeros ones and twos if you're a strong climber like let's say you're climbing stuff uh you know at the level of like you know the the stronger folks in our gym are climbing you know 513s and and v10s yep there's people that climb harder than that but they're like on our climbing team so we're not gonna worry about that (laughs) okay um so if you're one of the stronger people uh if you came in you could have a rest day that just included 45 minutes of bouldering zeros ones and twos and that would actually probably be good for you like if you climbed really hard had a hard session maybe even a hard workout a hangboard workout something like that the day before come in and you just boulder around get the blood flowing get get your fingers loosened up muscles that can actually be good for you and beneficial but that would still count as a rest day what's your rest schedule these days I don't have a rest schedule. I have a work schedule that I try to fit climbing into. So um, I don't do, I have not gotten myself very organized. I try to climb two, three times a week and uh, try to mix in boulders and ropes when I can. And it's, it's not really, my, my schedule is not designed around becoming a better climber at this point. I'm just kind of like trying to have fun, trying to maintain my level. Um, and then I'll, I'll think about trying to figure out how to, how to break out. Cause I've been plateaued, let's say for a couple of years okay. and I'll try to think about how to, how to break out of that at some point. Well, if I can do anything in this conversation, hopefully it's spark that little, that little flame there and see if it's sometime in the not too distant future we can talk about, you know, what that would take. Uh, yeah, we can talk about it. I have some good let's, ideas. Let's, let's save that. Let's save that. Yeah. Because we're we're like super long on time. Um, well, I mean, you can't you can't put a clock on this magic, man. <laughs> I feel like that, along with like the rabbit, like Metropolis Underground, might be the, might be the sound bites of this episode. <laughs> um, okay, uh, sort of just wrapping up. Anything else you want to touch on? For uh, PG Sunnyvale, anything you want to plug for you personally? Do you want to plug Pad Bros one more time? Or Pad Bores? Uh, no, that's okay. What I, it- <laughs> I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of overlap. Uh, well, I feel like some of the people who like are on uh, Pad Bros may, may actually listen to this podcast someday. Perhaps someday, yeah. but we, it doesn't need to be plugged. Okay. It's its own thing. What what are the odds that someday we could get uh, you know Kevin in here to sing um, the outro if we ever have one, like uh, like Adele? Uh, the odds of getting Kevin to come in and sing something like Adele that sounds pretty high to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to do very much. Pretty sure you just go, Kevin, sing it like Adele, and it just comes out right away. It's not really not really much of an issue. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't understand, it's a reference to the other other podcast. Um, all right, I think any any questions from you for me? Uh, you know, nothing off the top of my head that I haven't already asked you already. Uh, I'm pretty loquacious. Yeah, I, I I guess I you know the one the one question I would have for you maybe over maybe uh, good for another long conversation, but. Uh, What's your goal with climbing? That is a that's a good question. I think um, I don't know if I I don't know if I have like a real climbing goal yet, or if I've nailed it down. For me, I definitely like the group of people that I climb with a lot. Uh, 
and it's it's a social thing. Like it's 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 part of a community that I'm a part of, and I feel that right now, at least with the group that I climb with, I'm on the weaker side, and I'd like to be a little bit better so I can keep up. So that's really my goal for climbing at the moment. My goal, my goal for the climbing is to be better so I can keep up with my friends. Um, and that's, I don't know if that's like a great audacious goal or there needs to be something more to conquer, but for me it's like I want to hang out with my friends and, and they do some really cool stuff and I want to be more of a part of it. Now I've been really busy recently with a lot of other projects, but um, I'm getting back into committing to that so that I can be there for hopefully the spring. Well, that's cool. Uh, you know, you can use the group of friends that you climb with to help drive you to achieve higher levels. And then once you've accomplished that, you find new friends so that you can, <laughs> you can get I, to. I'm also really good at pushing people. So hopefully when I get to that level, then I'll be able to push them to get better. And then I'll have yet another level to climb. I'm not sure you know the difference between pushing and annoying. I definitely don't. <laughs> I feel like they kind of fit in the same category for me. Though, to be fair, for those who don't know, uh, I have been coaching... Uh, cheerleading now for about 20 years, or no, I've been doing it for 20 years. I've been coaching since 2004, so I've been coaching for about 12 years. So I'd like to think those kids have understand that I'm not just annoying, but I actually, in some aspects, know what it means to coach. Good. So I have some coaching experience, a lot more than I do in the in the rock climbing world. But uh, this is, I feel like this is a, a different sport that is really, really exciting to me. It is a very exciting sport. I enjoy it quite a bit. All right, I think that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this amazing, wonderful first edition of the Rock Jocks Know of the uh, South Beta Podcast, and uh, we'll let you know when there's another one. Thanks. The South Beta Podcast, 425 pounds of rock climbing power. Rock Jocks. Rock Jocks for life. All right. <laughs>